Roberts. I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden, Andy Larson, and Joel Cardenas. Uh, welcome back to the How About This Jazz Podcast. I'm Joel Cardenas, your co-host and moderator. Joining me is our Salt Lake Tribune Jazz beat writer, Eric Walden. Eric, uh, how's your break been? It's been all right, Joel. Um, wasn't like, you know, vacation-y. I didn't go anywhere like Andy did. Stuck around the house, worked on some some feature stories and, you know, had a day off here and there. Got to see, go see Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators on Monday night. Oh, so nice. Was, How was that? It was an awesome show. It had been a few years since, I think it was my first concert in two years. And so... To get back to it by seeing Slash, like, what more can you ask for? What more can I ask for? I go, right. you know, Slash isn't everyone's cup of tea, but um, I like the guy enough to have a tattoo of him on my arm. So, you know, that being my first concert back, it was, it was fantastic. It was very fitting. Yeah. No, very, very fitting, for sure. No, nice. How was your break? Uh, You know, you I was bored. You had to work. I had to work, but also I was kind of bored because I don't watch that many TV shows. Yeah. So I kind of just me I watched like three, I think at most that I kind of keep track of. But everything else is usually just basketball and college basketball is OK. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. And so just having these days off have been like, what do I watch? So like I've just been rewatching some old stuff. Like I think I'm going to watch Ford versus Ferrari like later, later tonight. I know the NBA is back on a, you know, they're back on Thursday, but I don't know. I just, it's, it's been boring. That's it. That's why anytime, I don't know about for you guys, but anytime the NBA finals ends, I get really sad because then it's like, crap, what do I watch beginning like, you know, mid June until what mid October when preseason starts and don't get me wrong. Like baseball isn't bad and everything, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's not the same. It gets really boring. Baseball and television is exceedingly boring. Like if you're able to go to the ballpark and like, I agree there as it's happening. I love baseball. Uh, otherwise, I don't watch baseball until the playoffs happen. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan, but like, I don't want to like, and I'll, I'll check in on the stats. I'll like, see how players are doing. I'll keep tabs on the standings. I don't want to watch a baseball game on TV. Like it's just, it, it's three or three and a half or four hours of boringness. So no, I agree. I even watch, uh, <laughs> I'll watch summer league over like Yankee games. And I'm a big Yankees fan, but I'm sorry. Like, Playing the Twins on a Tuesday night or seeing this rookie to see maybe how he does well. Yeah, I'm going to tune into NBA TV or, or you know, ESPN, whatever it's on, and watch the summer league game, even though it doesn't count for anything. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, sorry for asking you how your break went. I sometimes forget that as a beat writer, like most people's lives don't, their schedules don't mirror my own. It's a conversation that Mrs. Trip Jazz and I have quite frequently just about like, how weird this is is how like you know she's like theoretically she's like what if I wanted to go on vacation somewhere in like uh mid-April and I'm like that sounds great I'm like but uh the Jazz are probably going to be in the playoffs then well what about in May well it depends on how far they on how far they make you know so it's just like there's there's always a level of kind of uncertainty there until you get to like you know, you know that the finals are going to be over. You know the draft is over. You know that the main moves of free agency are over. And then, all right, let's plan a vacation for that time. 
Well, the good news this season, the way the Jazz are playing right now, you guys could probably take a vacation around mid-May, maybe around there. <laughs> so, sorry, I got to call it what it is. I'm not saying that they can't turn around. And, and you know, and we'll see. We'll see. The second half of the season, we'll see how it comes out. Or I shouldn't say second half of the season. It's really two-thirds of the way of the season. Yeah. Um, we'll see how, they, how it pans out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go ahead and buy Formula One tickets for uh, the stop in Miami just yet. But much as much as Mrs. Trip Jazz would like me to, you just never know. As soon as I do that, the Jazz are going to get on this incredible streak and go to the NBA Finals, and and then like everything's all out of whack. So today we're doing the two thirds of the way NBA and Jazz season awards. By the way, listener. But uh, before we start that, I just wanted to get your thoughts on. So obviously All Star Weekend, you know, it was nice. Skills competition was okay. Three-point shootout, I always that's always been my favorite. Even when I was a kid, I liked that one over the slam dunk. Uh, slam dunk was just horrific. Uh, and the All-Star game was not bad, like seeing Steph go crazy and then LeBron's game winner. But next year, it's here. Yeah. You, how excited are you about that? I'm looking forward to it. Like, um, it's kind of weird, right? Like, people are always asking, like, as, as a beat writer, you know, how do you feel about NBA All-Star games, like, are you super excited? Like, uh, the first time I ever covered one was two seasons ago. So this year they were in Cleveland. Last year they were supposed to be in Indianapolis, but because of COVID, they wound up moving it to Atlanta and, like, nobody could go to it. The season before, it was in Chicago, and I, and I got to go to that one. And I was, like, super excited because growing up as a kid, yeah, like, as an NBA fan, like, you're super invested in, in All-Star Weekend. As a kid, anyway, I don't, you know, maybe as you get older, like it, it matters less. But so as a beat writer, I was curious, like, ooh, what's this going to be like? And it's busy. There's a lot of like non-basketball stuff going on that you kind of have to navigate and, and take part in and stuff like that. This year, the Tribune decided not to send anybody to All-Star Weekend because, like, frankly, it's very expensive to go. Like flights there are expensive hotels get like incredibly expensive oh, yeah. and then just you know we've determined that like people don't actually read those stories that much and so like we got to a point where we're like maybe it doesn't make sense but we'll cover the hell out of it next year when it's in Salt Lake City when you oh, know yeah. we don't have to fly anywhere and we don't have to get hotels and there'll be a lot of stuff going on and and I'm interested to see you know kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff like we got a little bit of a taste of it from uh, Andy's article that he wrote pre-All-Star break, just kind of looking one year into the future and, and talking to, you know, some of the jazz execs and some of the, the city leaders about, you know, some, getting some of the details that are involved in it. I think it's awesome. Like back when I was here in 93, you know, obviously I remember that time, but I didn't get to go to it, you know, like this. I think they had some like stay in school jam or something like that, right? Like it, it was a reward for for kids in a certain grade. Like if they had a certain GPA or whatever, they got to go attend this event. And I remember I was I was too old even back then. My younger brother, who's two years younger than I am, got to go to this thing, and I was so jealous because I'm like, you get to go to the stay in school jam <laughs> at the Delta Center, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see like what all. Uh, is going to be happening this time what kind of pop-up stores we get like what kind of events oh, yeah. there are like it's going to be much cooler now especially like being a b-writer with access to a lot of stuff so it should be awesome 
Oh yeah, no, it's it's gonna be great. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna look for forward to the parties. Not that I'm gonna get necessarily invited to them, but I just want to be like, oh look, so and so is here. Like here's Kevin Hart and all this rap, or here's Rick Ross. You know, he's gonna throw this party here, and D Wade, I'm sure, will have a party as well yeah. uh, here somewhere. But yeah, the game, obviously, you know, I'm sure the game will be fine. It'll be entertaining. Let's hope there's a better format to the slam dunk, or at least move it to be the first event or the second event and like make that three-point shootout be the last one. Yeah, the, um, slam, the slam dunk thing is like so hit and miss because there are years where it's like absolutely iconic. Like even as recently as, you know, like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon like oh, yeah. trading off, right? Like that that was epic. But Hell yeah. you get the years where like guys just don't care and it's like you wind up with me tweeting, all right, new rule slam dunk contest is just moved to the actual all-star game and we're not telling any of the players in advance and then you know there's more there were more interesting dunks in the game like rudy doing a 360 in the all-star game was more interesting than anything that that happened yeah. in the dunk contest so it's like this year's slam dunk contest winner rudy gobert surprise like congrats <laughs> i grew up with it being like a big deal it was the ultimate event you know and and Back when you had Michael Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins, like it meant something, you know, even when you had like Spud Webb being five, seven and like just being super interested in it. When you had guys like Sean Kemp, who, you know, I don't think most big men are all that interesting in the dunk contest, but some of them are able to pull it off with, with moves. But when you had the stars, when you had like the, the ultimate athletes of the league interested in it, it was far more interesting. If in these years, you know, where no disrespect to Juan Toscano Anderson, who like was better than I think most people thought, but it's like in a year like that, yeah, the the, the three point shootout winds up being more interesting. So um, yeah, yeah, we'll see yeah. how it goes. And and, and hopefully, like I, I don't mind some of the ideas that I've seen online, like people saying like, can we get like street ballers and sponsor them or all this other stuff or you know I don't know. There's there's a long way to go, but yeah. Yeah, something definitely needs to change. But the three-point shootout is still always going to be my favorite one. Yeah, I look forward to that here. I assume, you know, next year, who knows if, you know, Bogey's on the team. I could see him participating to represent. Because usually, you know, the home, the home team usually has somebody represent in one of the events. Right. You know, this year was the whole, like, the Cavs front line basically being the, what were the skills competition. competition. I could see, like, next year, like, yeah, Bogey or if Mitchell comes out of uh, slam dunk retirement, maybe. Yeah, who knows? The possibilities are endless. Oh, yeah. And not not endless, but like a little more expansive. <laughs> All right. Should we got some awards? Let's do it. Okay. So we got two categories as far as, the, well, I shouldn't say categories, but we got two award sections. We're first going to start with just NBA awards, like for the league awards, and then we'll do jazz specific ones. So let's start off with the NBA awards. So most surprising team, and I'll give you four. You could pick other ones as well. So most surprising team, Cavs, Warriors, Bulls, Heat, or Grizzlies, or other? I'm going with the Cleveland Cavaliers, just because nobody expected them to be good. And they've been, like, a legitimately, like, quality team. Like, this is, are they going to win the championship? No, they're not going to win the championship. But, I mean, this was a team that, like, nobody thought much of. You know, they're like, okay, I like some of the moves they've been making, you know, like, Darius Garland turned out to be like pretty good. Evan Mobley turned out to be really good. Um, the Ricky Rubio trade, like Ricky Rubio was not thrilled to get traded to Cleveland when that move happened, right? During the offseason, he was like, he had to have a, a, 
an extended phone conversation with JB Bickerstaff, who had to basically like talk him into like, dude, it's going to be okay. You're going to have a big role here. I promise we've got plans for you. It'll be awesome. Give it a shot, you know? And, and then to his credit, like Ricky did all of that. And like the, the chemistry between these guys has been amazing. Um, I think I, I saw on Twitter that like, they have a group chat going on, which is not a unique thing. Like we know the jazz do, hmm. but apparently according to rumor, I don't know if it's true or not, but if it is, it's hilarious. They would not invite Jarrett Allen into the players group chat because he was the only guy who had, who did not have an iPhone. I don't know if he had like a Samsung or whatever, but they were like, we want all the messages to be in blue. No green, no green messages. No green. You're, not, you're not invited until like, that's amazing, right? Like that's that's the group of guys who like are getting along and who like each other. There's people that say and, don't trust people that have that show up on your on your text with green bubbles. Right. Yeah. So it's been fun to watch that team. Like going to Cleveland, like not for the All Star game, but when I was there, like when the Jazz played the Jet played the Cavs in Cleveland, and it came down to that final possession of like Mike Conley needing to stop. I forget if it was. Garland or, or Sexton or maybe Sexton was out already at that point but Mike Connolly needing to get a stop one-on-one you know on the last possession of the game in order for the Jazz to hang on that was a fun game it was fun watching those Cavaliers they've been a fun team to watch so no disrespect to the other candidates but I'm choosing Cleveland I agree like I'm I'm a Bulls fan I've mentioned that before on this podcast but I had to get out of the Cavs because yeah I thought they're going to be garbage personally uh I thought Evan Mobley was going to be okay but he's been better than i thought for sure and yeah and then when they got jared allen i'm like all right let's see hopefully he does well and yeah he's obviously turned out to be an all-star you know warriors they were gonna have staff like bulls i'll get to that in a second but like he i think you can make a little bit of a case for for them and grizzlies you know with job but i think it is the Cavs. they'll fall into the top four in the eastern conference to your point are they gonna make the nba finals no but they got the pieces there, and I think they got the pieces a lot earlier than a lot of us probably thought because especially after LeBron left and all that, they probably thought like a, a lot of us, at least I did, I thought, all right, this team's going to be in the tank for like five years um, until they keep building up draft picks and then maybe they get something. But shoot, maybe LeBron does go back to them at some point in the next two years because, I mean, they got Sexton's out for the season, but, you know, they got Garland, they got Allen, they got Mobley, like, Maybe they, they got money. They once they Kevin Love deadline deal for Karis LeVert, like they, they got some talent there. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's come together much quicker than anyone thought. Like Miami, they're always expected to be like you know maybe not title contenders, but like a playoff team. The Bulls, they were like you know on the periphery of playoff contention, and then like when you have an off season where you acquire. You know, I know the DeMar DeRozan move was panned at the time, but like clearly that's turned out to be a great move. And I've always thought the hate for DeMar DeRozan because he's a mid-range centric guy was like overblown. I loved DeMar's game for years. Um, I would love him. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Who who would know who might not appreciate DeMar DeRozan as a player? We love you, Andy. We miss you. Um, But yeah, you, you acquire DeMar DeRozan. You acquire Alonzo Ball. You know, the other moves they made, like the expectation was that the Bulls were supposed to be better, right? Like, so, um, and then the Grizzlies too, like they they were a playoff team a year ago 
And so you would expect they'd keep building. Would would you have guessed they'd be third in the West this year? Probably not. But I mean, you know, John Morant making that leap from star to superstar, like that goes a long way. So no one saw the Cleveland Cavaliers doing what they're doing. Most surprising player this season. I'm just going to give mine first. So because we were just talked about him a second ago. To me, it's DeRozan because and yeah, I'm a little biased. But at the same time, when that signing happened, I didn't put it on social media, but I was just like, what are, what, what are you guys, what? Like, how does he fit? Like, I was happy when they got Lonzo, Caruso. Like, I was like, okay, we're building up the bench here. We're building up some players. You know, it doesn't have to always be Zach, you know, on the ball. You know, Lonzo can come in, you know, and play points. But then when they got the Rosen, I'm like, this feels like a stretch. Like, why are we trying to, like, we're trying to do like a faux big three here, you know, with, with Vucevic and all them. And I'm like, I, I didn't like it at first, but now what do I know? He's been tremendous. He's been an MVP candidate. Like, will he win it? You know, we'll we'll see. I mean, the Embiid and others have obviously had great seasons, but I put him in the category of the most surprising player. That I know some people might say, well, but he's been an all-star before and he's been, you know, on the Olympics or or whatever. But it's like, did, but did anybody really expect him to have the season that he's having, you know, and the Bulls being, you know, somewhere in between the one and three seed in the East? Like, no, and it's not all his fault. Like, obviously, Levine has, was an all-star, has been an all-star, has a great season. But I, I just feel like nobody really expected him to, to be doing what he's doing now, putting up these, what, 30-plus points on 50% or above field goal percentage, like breaking Wilt's record and all this stuff. To me, he's the most surprising part of the season. That's an excellent choice. Um, I'm trying to think who mine would be. I have a guy in mind who is a little bit of an unconventional choice, but you know what? Let's go ahead and do it. I'm going to go with Patty Mills of the okay. Brooklyn Nets. Like, obviously, you know, not on the same level that DeMar DeRozan is, but, you know, he's a guy who's been around for a while, uh, a long time San Antonio Spur, and then he becomes a free agent. And, and there were teams who were interested in him. But, you know, as kind of a, you know, veteran sixth man to come off the bench, like, I don't think people realize, like, kind of how instrumental he's been in keeping the Nets from being, like, a total first-half disaster. That and just the fact that, like, he's been completely unleashed as a three-point shooter this year, right? Like, shooting a career high, he's almost 42%, I want to say. Okay, maybe not a career high. I need to go back and look at the stats. All right, 42.9% back in 2011-12, but that was on three and a half attempts per game. This year he's at 41.9% on 7.7 threes a game. So, Patty Mills, I like. Your your choice of DeMar is probably the better one just because, like, fourth in the league in scoring at this point, 29 points a game. Like, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, I like I like Patty Mills just because – We've seen teams do what the Nets are doing before, where like they add, you know, one veteran after another in terms, you know, in an attempt to like have the experience and like battle tested guys on the bench. I mean, and it doesn't always work out. Like, as we've seen with a team that I suspect we're going to discuss later that's on the opposite coast. Um, <laughs> like, it doesn't, it, not all the moves worked out with Brooklyn. I mean, that's why that's why James Harden is gone. Like Blake Griffin doesn't necessarily look all that good anymore. You know, they've had 
they've brought in a bunch of guys and now they're at a point where like they've been shitting guys and like hitting the buyout market with you know Goran Dragic just because like they've got holes but um Patty Mills he's had a great season I think he's already made he's already exceeded his his career high in three-pointers made for a season that was the career high that I was aiming for Mm. with however many games they've got left I think you know 24 ish or whatever we'll say he's he's already surpassed the number of threes he's ever made in the season so uh patty mills joe ingles fellow aussie holding it down for the brooklyn nets uh next one bigger disappointment lakers or nets i'm gonna go with nets and here's why and i think it's just because and, and you know you're obviously the resident lakers fan but for me like i just never felt like the expectations were always going to be met with the lakers even when they got russ it's like I don't know, like the Suns are still pretty good. Utah's still pretty good. I wasn't expecting Golden State to be this good, to be honest with you. So I didn't categorize them like once they got Russell Westbrook, like, oh, they have to face the Warriors. I knew they were going to be okay, but Warriors have been a little bit more surprising to me at least. But I feel like with the Nets, they were relatively healthy. I know they had the Kyrie things still like playing away games and all that stuff that was always unclouded, but they did sign Patty Mills. It, it felt like, okay, it feels like they got a nice core to at least – be better than the 76ers maybe not the bucks but at least the 76ers and every other eastern conference team i think i can't remember what position they're in if they're still seventh or sixth or maybe they moved up i know they're all kind of bunched up in the east heading into the uh, slate of thursday night games the brooklyn nets are 31 and 28 and in eighth position in the eastern conference okay see for me that's more surprising than the lakers right now being what ninth or tenth the Lakers are ninth in the West, 27 and 31. Well, I just didn't, I, I don't know. Anthony Davis is, you know, what Charles Barkley calls him street clothes. That's his nickname. Russ, I never thought it was going to work. And I'm not saying, I think a lot of people thought it wasn't going to work. And uh, and here we are. Um, LeBron's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, But there's only so much he can do. To me, it's Brooklyn because I did not think that we're going to do the Harden for Simmons trade. I really thought that was worst case scenario they would bail on Harden, but I didn't expect Harden to, this is my opinion, quit on the whole project and just be like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Just like he's done quit with other places, you know, like Houston and et cetera. But I just feel like they're more of a disappointment. That's just me. What about you? I'm going to take the opposite. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers as the bigger disappointment. All the points you, you just raised are incredibly valid ones. And I don't disagree with you on that. As soon as they made that deal, right, like I got I got blocked by Woj on Twitter because we had the competing stories on draft night between him and Shams about who the Lakers were trading their guys for. Were they get, were they getting Buddy Heald or were they getting Russell Westbrook? And you could you could debate the merits of the deal that didn't happen. But as soon as I heard the Russell Westbrook one, I was like, that's going to be an epic disaster. That's not going to work. It's a horrible fit. Um, you know, their their logic of, oh, well, this will give us a guy who can, you know, carry the load so that LeBron doesn't have to do quite as much work. It was just silly because LeBron wants that much load. Like the, the, the team is built around him, right? And like counting on the minutes that he's on the bench, like being the ones where Russ is going to have the ball in his hands to keep him happy was just never going to work. So All that said, even expecting it to be a disaster, the fact that the Lakers are a sub-500 team 
who are now stuck with a guy set to make $47 million next year if he opts into, uh, you know, the option year of his contract. And with nobody in the league who'd be willing to take that off their hands exactly. if he decides he doesn't want to give up making $47 million next year. Whether we saw it coming or not, they didn't see it coming. And so the fact, you know, the fact is, like, the Nets, like, has – is it is it a public relations hit to have James Harden quit on you and have to trade him for, you know, a malcontent like Ben Simmons? Yeah, but Ben Simmons is an all-star player with defensive player of the year credentials. You know, he hasn't, you know, he, he's been a finalist for that. So, like, you're at least getting some useful pieces back in the deal. You get Seth Curry, who's not nothing, right? right. Um, now, all of a sudden, like, has, has it been a public relations hit for Kyrie Irving to not be able to play home games because he refuses to get vaccinated? Yeah, absolutely. But now all of a sudden we're hearing word that like those rules in New York City might be relaxed soon sure. and Kyrie might be playing. And the Nets are not, you know, bad as they've been, underwhelming as they've been, you know, with KD out as well. They're not necessarily to be overlooked yet as as still a potential finals team. Like, is it going to take some work for them to get by Miami, Chicago, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Boston, whoever it is that comes out of the East? Yeah, like the East is going to be really interesting this year. But like, if they go into the playoffs with a healthy KD, with an engaged Ben Simmons, with an available Kyrie Irving, like, do the, are are we discounting the Nets' chances of of ultimately getting to the finals and winning? I think it. I think it's still doable. Do we think there is any chance at all that the Lakers are going to win the NBA championship this year? What 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 percent chance do you give them, Joel? Oof, I give them. Zero percent. Zero percent the Lakers are going to win it. Like Anthony Davis is hurt again. Westbrook's been every bit the disaster we thought it was going to be. LeBron's ticked off about how things are going there. Uh shockingly, a team that like turned over everybody from a year ago, like is having chemistry issues. Imagine Even that. THT has had kind of a down year. He hasn't been THT, like that. Like, yeah, they they refused to include him in some trade talks because he was like their their young guy for the future and he's been underwhelming he's been a disappointment when you're the lakers it's like championship or bust right like if you don't win the title it's considered a bad year and they're struggling to make the playoffs right now playoffs yeah part of me doesn't want them to go to the playoffs just so that like hey maybe they'll get a, a you know a lottery pick but maybe that's even probably to uh was that would that be part of the new orleans would that go to new orleans yeah, probably. I mean, the Lakers are in a position now where they'd have to win two play-in games to make it, right? To make it into the playoffs. Like, and then probably get smoked by like Phoenix or Golden State. Right. So, yeah, from my perspective, Lakers are by far the bigger disappointment. All right. Before we get to the Jazz ones, let's reel off these last three uh, in a quick fashion. So give me your rookie of the year, your coach of the year, and so far, who's the MVP? Rookie of the year. I think we've got a, a, there are three choices. Cade Cunningham from Detroit is a viable choice. Evan Mobley from Cleveland. And I think you got to throw Scotty Barnes from Toronto in there. 
I probably would go, I would probably lean towards Mobley right now. Coach of the year for reasons that we discussed earlier with, with Cleveland being a shocking team, I would go with uh, JB Bickerstaff and MVP. This is a tough one. I'm actually a voter this year. Oh, um, nice. So it's going to be a tough choice. Do I go with, I, I think at this point, there's like really kind of two easy choices, Joel Embiid from the Sixers or Nikola Jokic from the Nuggets, both just having incredible seasons. I maybe lean a little Embiid right now, which I don't necessarily have a good reason why, other than like the Sixers are maybe a little bit better of a team and, and he's having, you know, he's like, every, everyone talks about like the job that Jokic has done keeping the Nuggets like a viable team without Jamal Murray available. And they're right. Like he's averaging close to a triple double again. Joel Embiid has kept the Sixers a good team in spite of the Ben Simmons drama, not playing all season. So um, that's how I would vote as of right now. Yeah. For now, I think for me, rookie of the year, I I agree. Mobley, although I could see maybe Josh Giddy getting some votes also as well for my MVP for coach of the year. I agree. Picker staff. Great job. The Cavs were not supposed to do anything, but he's turned them into an up-and-coming team for many years. Uh, and, yeah, I, I go with Embiid. As much as, you know, Joker has done a great job and, you know, went, we'll see once, hopefully this season, uh, we'll see his um, – oh, my goodness, why am I blanking on his name? Jamal uh, Murray. Jamal Murray, thank or, you. Uh, James Harden. <laughs> which, you know, which guy appearing for which team? Uh, oh, I was gonna, for more for Murray. You know, we'll see how things change as far as, what you know, how much uh, Jokic gets the ball once Murray comes back. But, yeah, like, even though he's keeping them afloat, I think the 76ers, with everything that's been happening, and now we'll see how it combines with Arden. I just think Embiid has, has definitely taken that step to the, you know, next level and made them right there alongside, you know, maybe not better than Milwaukee, but whoever challenges Milwaukee, it's probably going to be Philly unless KD comes back and healthy and if Kyrie and all that. You know, we'll see. The East is definitely interesting, but I've been beat as the MVP as well. It's maybe an unfair standard, but I just don't love the idea of giving an MVP to a guy like on a sixth place team is all. Even though, as we've mentioned, like they're as high as they are right now because of what he's done. But um, yeah, that's just kind of my thought. All right, let's get to some Utah Jazz uh, awards and grades. So we're going to combine it here. So a lot of these are just kind of quick statements or questions, and then we'll flow them in. So all right. Uh, if you have to give a grade to Jordan Clarkson's season so far, what would it be? Ooh, man. This is... Uh, you want D- mine? I could give you mine, what I would give. I'd give him C-. minus. I was, I was going to go D+. Plus, so I was going to be a little more harsh. And that's hard to do because I love JC. I love covering JC. I love watching JC play. He's just been, like, so inefficient offensively this year. He's gone through, you know, these long bouts of over-dribbling, of forcing up bad shots. The three-point percentage has just absolutely cratered. Uh, There are times where, like, I still love what the idea of what he brings to the team because, like, really other than than Donovan Mitchell, he's really their only other guy, like, capable of, like, creating open looks for himself and, and thereby for other guys on a consistent basis. But... The fact is, like, he just is not been great at making them this year um, and, and not been great at necessarily taking the right ones within the flow of the offense. So 
over dribbling too much black hole too often and like the defense man what do you say about the defense it's been like very 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 times infinity bad so i still love jc i want him to improve he's he's a fun guy uh he brings a unique vibe a unique personality and like unlike a lot of people in the fan base who think he's just like absolutely worthless and should be shot into the sun i still see the value in him as a player but he needs to he needs to step it up a level or two yeah i think if the jazz want any kind of opportunity to go deep into this playoffs more efficient more smarter choices i know this sounds like really basic stuff yeah. but i mean i i i know earlier on in the season even just with this podcast i would joke around and say you know, he's Russell Westbrook Jr. He's our version of Russell Westbrook. At first, it was a little bit at jest because there are Without some the assists and the rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, all right, dude, don't really do. Don't, I know you're double zero. Don't be twice as Russell. Like, no, do not do that. But, like, he just seems like he's such a good dude. And, like, he'd be, like, a fun guy to, like, hang out with. Like, you know, but at the same time, it's like, if you would have told me a year ago, would Jordan Clarkson be, you know, even thought about as far as, trade baits or things like that have been like well no he's the spark he's kind of needed for this team you know he could be six man or whatever but now i'm just like i don't know like if they could get rid of him in the summer then hey we'll listen to offers which sucks to say but at the same time it's it's just inefficiency and and better thinking in the moment i don't know what else to say yeah i mean d plus might be a little harsh just because like if you take him off this team you're you're back in the same position that you were in before you traded him where like that second unit just has so much difficulty scoring the guy can still get a bucket absolutely so c my your c minus is probably a little more appropriate d plus probably a little harsh but i mean they're not that far apart so next one daniel house eric pascal or udoka who do you think contributes more the rest of the season that's a tough one I'm going to go with Daniel House just because I think with the Joe Ingles injury, there's probably a little more opportunity, a little more consistent opportunity for him. So um, I've got a great feature on Daniel House that I wrapped up Thursday morning. It'll be coming out this weekend. It might be out by the time you listen to this podcast. I don't know. It's it's up to the it's up to the editors. I've put it in their tr- in their capable hands, and uh, they'll decide when it goes. But um, it was a lot of fun writing it, just because he's an interesting guy, and honestly, it's an interesting story. You know, a guy who like went from starter for a Houston Rockets team that was like a Western Conference finalist, you know, a couple times, to then being like cut by a very terrible Rockets team this year, signed a ten day with the Knicks cut by the Knicks after playing one game this guy was like quote unquote on the street as the saying goes for free agents who are like don't really have a viable pathway to another NBA team or whatever in the moment and like because the Jazz traded Mie Oni at the beginning of January and had two open roster spots they're like yeah this guy's been around the league for a while like he theoretically fits the profile of what we need, you know, a, a long rangy wing who's got the theoretically the ability to hit threes and and like defend multiple positions. He wasn't hitting threes in Houston this year. Like he was sub 30 percent, uh, which takes some doing, you know, that's some Russell Westbrook level of shooting. <laughs> um, but just given that the Jazz have need at the wings, 
I think he's more likely to do it. I love it when they give Pascal a shot just because that dude is like infectious energy every time he steps on the court. And also, I just love the idea of like 6'5", 6'6", 260-pound bowling ball power forward types, you know, who just, they get the ball, put their head down, go in and like dislodge guys with shoulder bumps. Um, You know, him finishing at the rim over like, Guys who are 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet is like a feat to behold. So I love watching EP play. Doke, he had some like unexpectedly decent moments during that stretch when when Rudy was out with the calf injury. Like I know I've been on the record as like not being a fan of that draft pick. All praise Desmond Bain. But you know, like Doke is like showing himself to like not be a total waste. Like he had some legitimately decent games, but... If the Jazz are playing Doke down the stretch, that means that either Rudy got hurt again or it means that Hassan Whiteside has, like, gone off the rails, neither (laughs) of which would be a good thing for the Jazz. EP, I just can't see him getting consistent enough minutes, partly because of the center situation we just discussed and also because uh, we got news at shoot-around that Rudy Gay should be returning to action, possibly as early as Friday night's game against the Mavericks. So I think there is legitimate opportunity for Daniel House. We'll see how that goes. He's been great in the nine games he's played for them so far. We'll see if he keeps that up. Uh, when, when the Jazz last played the Rockets, we talked to some Houston beat writers who, who kind of gave us the scoop on him. And, and one of them said, you know, use the line, he'll break your heart. You know, you'll, you'll get to love him for the things he does. And then you put him in a big moment. And like, it just falls apart and you're like, what happened? Which is a sentiment the jazz, uh, that jazz fans can appreciate. So maybe Daniel House is the perfect Utah jazz player. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it is. I think it, it's House. I think he contributes a little bit more to what capacity we'll see. But I think out of those three, he's the one that probably contributes the most this season. Mike Conley, has he done more than enough this season or needs to do more? In my opinion, I think he's done more than enough. Because this, I'm just gonna say it, I think he's on the verge of being done, in the sense of like not completely done, done in the sense of being done as an all-star player. I know he was one last year. I just think just age, the injuries, the speed of just the positions and the players that he's got to go against, you know, in yeah the Western Conference, but even some of the top teams at the Eastern Conference as well. To me, I think he's done more than enough. I don't think he needs to do more because I don't know if he can actually give more. If he was younger then maybe, but I think he's done more than enough. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So um, I was recently having a debate with someone about about Mike in which they were kind of talking about their point was like, you know, this was the guy who like you traded a bunch of stuff for, you know, picks, a bunch of young players um, in order to bring him in and take you over the top, take you to the next level. His first season was a wash because it took him forever to like, get acclimated and he was injured and it was just kind of a disaster he looked really good last year you know and and again like when some injuries happened he was playing at such a level that like finally went to his first all-star game and this year yeah you know the the scoring numbers are down pretty significantly he was at 16.2 a year ago 13.8 this year the assists are down from six to 5.3 the minutes are, are down a little bit. The field goal shooting is down a little bit. The three-point shooting is right about where it was. But, I mean, 
you watch Mike play and there, there's no getting around it that, you know, he's lost a bit physically, right? That he just can't do some of the things that that Memphis Mike could back in the day. Andy wrote pretty extensively about how Mike is is realistically no longer a three-level scorer because he just has such difficulty at the rim now that he, he's better off like taking mid-rangers and, and three-pointers exclusively. And yet, like, all those things aside, night after night, you watch him, and there's so many little subtle, nuanced things he does that just keep this team going, especially in that stretch of games where Donovan Mitchell was out with concussion. Like, we saw Mike slowing down, especially in February, because he was tired from all the heavy lifting he did in January just to make this team, like, at all passable. On press row every night, like, when we watch the Jazz, there are at least, like, two or three moments a game where we see Mike do something. And, it, you know, again, it doesn't have to be a highlight level thing, but it's just something so smart and savvy that inevitably, you know, one beat reporter will turn to another and be like, man, Mike Conley is just so good. This jazz team would be a lot worse without him. And like, again, how long is he, is he going to be able to do some of these things? I don't know. You know, like clearly there are some things he can't do. And, and, and it's unfortunate that like his body is is really kind of holding him hostage at this point you know you would love to see him like be a little more like eternal like Chris Paul seems to be you know at least before the broken hand but um he does some of those he he stays within that wheelhouse just by you know using his smarts his guile his savvy his veteran know-how just by like knowing how to run a team as well as he does like I know in Utah like because of John Stockton, we're used to looking at assist totals as the end-all be-all of like what makes a, a good point guard. And then you look at Mike's and like, obviously they don't compare, but like this guy is, is an incredible point guard and the Jazz would be a far worse team without him. Just answer this one with true or false. Okay. Rudy Gay will not contribute as much as fans would like in the playoffs. True. I agree. Hassan Whiteside's key to make an impact the rest of the season is blank. Oh, Stay healthy. Uh, caring? What do you think? Caring? Caring? Okay. Can you explain a little bit why? Yeah, I'll, like I'll, I'll elaborate very... that. Yeah. I, I really debated at one point. We were, there was some, there was some thought that like maybe he was just like done and the Jazz should cut him because he was going through such a horrible stretch, especially during that time when Rudy was out and initially they were, asking Hassan to be the starting center and he just there were nights where he just did not look with it a lot of nights in retrospect you know maybe some of the criticism he got during that time was unfair he mentioned how you know in the aftermath how he was coming back from COVID and didn't have you know his his wind didn't have his conditioning and uh he mentioned that you know he had a a back injury that was hindering his mobility and he didn't like he recognized, like he wasn't moving great out there. And so those are factors to consider. There are also like lots of other nights during the course of the season where Hassan just has not looked particularly engaged, you know, where like focus is a thing, where effort is a thing. So if he can be engaged, if he can be focused on, on what they need him to do, on like setting screens the right way at the right time, in the right places, you know, 
um, if he can like be active and, and athletic and in terms of like boxing guys out and defensive rebounding and not giving up second chance points to opponents, like you can't ask a ton more from, from him than that. So the care factor is, is, is kind of what it comes down to with him. So we all know Donovan Mitchell is by far the best player of the team, but who's been the most valuable jazz player this season, Mitchell or Rudy Gobert? That's a really tough one, just because having seen stretches without each of them, like the Jazz haven't been great during any of those times. I'm going to go with Rudy, and just for this reason. We've seen what the Jazz are like during games where they've had Donovan but not Rudy. We haven't really seen games this season of where they've had Rudy but not had Don. Because during the games that Donovan missed with the concussion – Rudy was also out uh, with the calf strain. So they were just all around terrible then. So the reason I pick Rudy is because like we had that stretch where, you know, in, in January where he missed five or six games or whatever it was with COVID and the defense just absolutely fell apart. You know, this was a stretch where like they lost in Detroit where, um, you know, they had like a 118 defensive rating and by the time Rudy comes back, you know, you've got him praising the defense of, of Donovan Booker by comparison to uh, technically not in comparison to what Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson and any Utah Jazz player did. But like reading between the lines, that was that was the subtext there. So they're obviously both incredibly important to the team. Like without Don, we just saw how much how, how hard it was for the offense to just consistently get buckets, even with. Guys as talented as in scoring as Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, like just nothing came easy on the offensive end. But given that without Rudy during that one stretch, like they were an absolute train wreck during that stretch. Did it get a little better in the second stretch where where Hassan and Doak stepped up? Yeah, it, it still wasn't awesome though. So for that reason, I think I would pick Rudy just by a little bit. They're Obviously, they can't afford to lose either guy in the playoffs is, is what it comes down to. And if they do, like, they're screwed. And, and yeah, I, I can make vacation plans by, you know, <laughs> mid-May or whatever. But um, it's tough because they're, they're both incredibly valuable to this team. But um, Rudy by just a little bit. I, I agree. I think just the defense and other than when he's been injured, he's so consistent. And I have to agree with, you know, even just going back to, interviewing Holly Rowe I mean at first I thought what she said because she said I remember that interview she said I, I feel like some fans still don't appreciate him enough at first I thought well is that really true but now looking at you know just watching those games that he was out and everything even you know we know the media doesn't maybe isn't the national media I should say doesn't usually you know overpass Rudy or does usually overpass Rudy I should say but looking at it now it's like you know there's some truth to that and so for this season I agree with you I give the edge of we had to pick a who's the most valuable jazz player this season so far. I'm going to give the edge to Rudy just a little bit as well. Jazz season grade so far is A. In my opinion, they get a C. I can't give them an A because they're not the number one seed like last year. And yeah, I'm going to use that a little bit like last year's team, fair or not fair. But to me, there's somewhat average. I know injuries. I I, I, I get that. Obviously, Joe Engels got hurt and, and traded Mitchell and, and Rudy, but even at the times when they were all healthy, I, I don't know. I, they just didn't scream confidence to me. 
like some of those games that they lost, you know, during that stretch, was it maybe probably in, in November when, you know, they should have beat, they should have closed out Memphis that one game. Uh, they should have beat some of these others as well. Indiana, I think as well, like during that stretch to me, like I've never felt fully confident that like, okay, this team is going to definitely close out whichever opponent. So for me, I just kind of see it as average. So I give him a C. I'll be a little more generous than you. I'll go with a B minus just because, yeah, like, are they underachieving relative to last year? Yeah, certainly they are. You know, they they haven't scared anyone the way they did a year ago. And I don't know if they scared anyone a year ago, but like certainly teams took them like very seriously last year. You know, like they were a legitimate title contender and, Part of me, you can't ever convince otherwise that if Mike and and Don weren't healthy during that Clippers series, that the Jazz wouldn't have had an excellent chance to go to the finals and maybe, you know, have a chance to win it all. This season, yeah, there's been a lot more inconsistency. You can, again, point to more regular season injuries than they had a year ago. You know, you had the COVID outbreak this year, which you didn't really have a year ago. All of these are factors none of which totally explain like the drop-off part of the drop-off I think is is honestly like kind of like not intentional is is maybe not the right word but if you get the sentiment like a year ago they were like absolutely committed to let's like play our butts off let's get the number one seed let's get home court advantage we're going to do all these things we're going to like be a team to be reckoned with and then as soon as those injuries happened, like none of it mattered, right? Like it all just fell apart. And so this year they were like, none of that other stuff matters. We just need to be playing well and be healthy at the time the playoffs come around. And then if that's the case, we can make up for, you know, having to play a series or two without home court advantage, you know, so long as like, we feel like we're at the level we need to be and Don is healthy and Mike is healthy and Rudy is healthy, you know, then we'll be fine. The question is like, how close to that level that they need to be are they, right? Like the constant refrain from Quinn all season long has been, we just need to be playing our best basketball at the right time. And so with 24 regular season games to go, there's theoretically, you know, the possibility of like, pulling it all together. But I mean, in going to practice today and and talking to Donovan Mitchell and talking to Quinn and like rehashing that last Lakers game before the break and hearing them both talk about like lack of focus in that game, like how many times have we heard lack of focus come up this year? Right. And, and like the fact that that's still an issue, the fact that these same things that we've been talking about all year long, transition defense, offensive rebounds allowed, lack of attention to detail in certain situations, lack of aggression. These are not things that get brought up infrequently, right? And so that concerns me about, <laughs> about the team's chances. Like the fact that like these problem areas remain problem areas as much as they do. You would like to see, you know, as the season goes along, you'd like to see some of those things get addressed and, and like them be more consistent. Like, Every team has down games. Every team has bad games. Every team slips up sometimes. But, like, you're not hearing the Phoenix Suns this year talk about the same problems 
over, you know, now as they were at the beginning of the season, right? Like you're not hearing the Milwaukee Bucks bring up the same issues. And the fact that the Jazz still are, like, it doesn't bode well. So a B minus in that, like, it's been underwhelming, but like there's there's some potential for things to get better. And looking at their schedule, they have an opportunity to straighten some things out. I mean, they got Dallas on Friday, but then they go on a road trip. By the way, are you going on that road trip or is that Andy? That'll be Andy. I've actually got most of my road games out of the way. Like usually, usually we try to like kind of split up road trips a little better than we did this year, but just the way it worked out this year with like games that I wanted and games he wanted, like all but two of my road games are, are done with already. So um, I've got, a game at San Antonio coming up in March. And then I'll be in Portland for the regular season finale in April. And other than that, every road game uh, will be covered by Andy B. Larson. Oh, nice. So, I mean, they got an opportunity to straighten it up because it's Dallas, Phoenix, Friday and Sunday. Those are tough. One yeah. at home in Dallas and then going to Phoenix. But then they got Houston, New Orleans, Oklahoma City. They do stop at Dallas, but then Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, road, so there's a good stretch. going to be a beast. It is, but there's a, there's a good stretch that, like, teams that you some, should, quote-unquote, beat. Some winnable games on there. Winnable, yeah, there you go. Yeah, some winnable games before. It seems like then, like, March 14th is when it starts getting a little bit more tougher because you got Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, and then the Clippers, you know, at least they're feisty, I guess. I'll, I'll put it like that. Yeah. But if the Jets are going to do something, this road trip is going to be, you know, you got to win. You got to win, what, four out of the five. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a six-game road trip, right? Oh, is this the one? This one is uh, actually... Or am I thinking of one down the road? You're thinking, I think, down the road, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking okay. of the one that's got, I think, that starts in, like, New York. You've got both the Nets and the, yeah. and the Knicks on that one. Yeah, right. Five-game trip. I could see them losing to Phoenix, speak, or, or maybe they could beat Phoenix with no Chris Paul. I could see them losing to Dallas in, like, the last game of that road trip, but... You got to beat Houston. You got to beat New Orleans. Yeah. You got to beat OKC. That's like, exactly what I was going to bring up. It's tough being on the road. Like as someone who does travel, it wears on you physically. Like, and I'm sure it's a little different for these guys, you know, having a chartered jet and, and, you know, having the nicer hotels or whatever, like there still is like a certain amount of like physical fatigue you go through with that. And yet like they need to win those games, right? Like, yeah. losing that Lakers game before the all-star break should not have happened. And so this road trip is going to be instructive in terms of like showing us if this team is like really serious, you know, if, if they are capable of making that progress that we talked about of finally leaving some of those problem areas behind. If we see them dropping some of these games, you know, at that point, like, I don't know how you come away feeling good about, like this team, like having a legitimate chance to do anything in the postseason, because these are the games they absolutely need to win. They're the ones like, okay, they've, they've talked the talk about, like, let's be focused, let's be energetic, let's be, you know, let's, let's hone in on these things that we need to do. Now it's time to like actually go out and do them. So um, if we don't see them pull it off against the likes of the Rockets and, and Pelicans and Thunder, there's nothing but heartbreak and disappointment ahead. Yeah, so basically, you make your vacation plans for mid-May if they can't get to this road trip. <laughs> I'm just Eric, always a pleasure. So a reminder that if you have not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast already or t- let your friends know. You can find us on social media. I'm at Shuel Carinas. 
I'm at Trib Jazz. And we'll catch you next time.